Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to Revelation. I want you to look at chapter 1, verse uh, 2 to begin with. We're, we're, we're slogging through the book of Revelation. And here's one of the reasons. Oh, yes, if you need a handout, please uh, raise your hand. Thank you, Brother Kevin. Um, here's a reason why we're studying Revelation. Look at chapter 1, verse number 2. I'm sorry, verse number 3. Look at chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. How many of you have read through the book of Revelation before? Okay, good. How many of you have been coming on a regular basis to hear about the teaching of Revelation? You've got a double blessing. He said, blessed are they, blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. So you're doubly blessed. There's something about revelation that mystifies, scares, inspires, excites, enthuses, depresses people in a way that few other books in the Bible do. Daniel would be another one similar, but uh, somehow we think of Daniel as being in the past, although it's really about mostly what's in the future. Um, Let me ask you this question. As we're going through the book of Revelation, doesn't it it remind you that there's more out in front of us? Remember Remember the phrase in chapter 19, the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. As believers, we ought to be concerned with not just what is happening right now, but how what has happened, what is happening, is shaping up for the future. And uh, we're not told to look for the Antichrist. The Antichrist is not going to be revealed until uh, halfway through the tribulation. But you and I, we have an opportunity to know that he is going to be revealed. Our job is to see people saved and baptized and discipled. And so it's a blessing to uh, go through this book with you. We're in the middle of the seven personalities. And we have, uh, if you look at chapter 12, we've got several of them there. Can you help help me list them? The first one, chapter 12, was where we were, where we start. Uh, 12 to 14 are parenthetical. Uh, they don't necessarily move the action forward per se, but that's really, <laughs> that's difficult with the, with the book of Revelation. The action is all over the place. It's more about uh, layering than it is about a chronological timeline. But what's the first personality that's mentioned? The woman, very good. And then what do we have? The child, that's number two. Number three, the dragon is number three, Revelation 12, if you're following along. And then we have another major personality in Revelation 12. Who is it? Michael. Yes, Michael the archangel. And then we have number five would be an eagle, the great eagle. And that one's a little bit uh, obscure, but because it's, it talks about the great dragon in heaven, and then it talks about the wings of a great eagle. And um, it's some, somewhat obscure. What is the great eagle? I don't know. Some people have said, well, maybe it's, you know, the United States of America, and, the, and it's got two wings, you know, like Hawaii and Alaska. Man, alive. I need to quit the ministry. <laughs> but I don't think that's what it is. Um, 
Now, we come into chapter 13. All right, so in chapter 12, you've got the dragon cast down to the earth. The woman is nourished in the wilderness for time, times, and half a time. What does that mean, time, times, and half a time? Is that, yes, a year, two years, half a year, three and a half years, okay? 1,260 days, or how many months? Anybody besides Brother Chad? (laughs) Amen, he's got it, man, that's good. How many months? 42 months, you heard him, that's good. Now, by the way, how do you learn this stuff? You don't just wake up one day and know it all. You go over it, and you go over it, and you go over it. Because if you're like me, I'm afraid to say something definitively about the Bible sometimes. Like, I think I know, but I'm afraid of being wrong. So the best way is to get up there and swing the bat. And as you swing, you realize, okay, that was stupid. That was wrong. That was, okay, I'll never get this crack. That's, how, that's really how you do it. And, and the devil will tell you that you can never learn the Bible because it's so complex. No, it just takes time. You have to learn it, and then you have to learn it. And in my case, as I'm studying Revelation, relearn it, unlearn it, all right? And that's okay, because we are not stuck on our interpretation of the Bible. Somebody said, I don't care what the Bible means until I care what the Bible says. You have to know what the Bible says. And sometimes we want to run out and say, I I mean, I just want to figure out what it really means. Be careful of that, because in your haste to find out what it means, you can overlook some things concerning what it actually says. All right, so we're learning all together. Revelation 13 now, we come to the beast. Oh, my. Look at verse number 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns. And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So tonight, when we look at this, we're going to look at just one verse. Verse number one. I want you to begin to to put together a composite of who this beast is. And we're going to do it the same way we do with everything else, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We want to make sure that we don't just immediately run to, well, you know, I bet you it could be this. And what do you think of that? Uh, We're going to do our best to stay in the scripture, but I hope it sparks some interest. So this is the sixth personality. So we see Roman numeral one, the origin of the beast, the origin. Where does he come from? According to verse number one. Comes out of the sea. And sand here. He's standing on the sand of the sea. Sand is connected with earth. Remember, the Lord said that he would make Abraham's descendants like the sand of the, of the sea. All right, so he's standing here uh, on the sand of the sea. And he is, he is da- he's back down on earth. Where was he in chapter 12? They were in heaven, right? Because you have... Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and his angels. Now he's standing on the sand of the sea, and uh, he's going to see what's going to happen down here. Now, the sea in Scripture, there's, there's different uses. We saw in Revelation 21, I think on Sunday, he said there was no more sea. There is a sea in heaven, the, the abode of God. We won't go into that right now, the sea of glass that's before the throne. He's not talking about that because now he's back down on earth. 
he, it, there's another use of the word sea, and uh, we'll, we'll jump into that one first. It's the second one, the sea of humanity. Take your Bibles and go to Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, this is a good one that has helped me a lot. 57. And you'll notice, first of all, in chapter 57, verse 20, there's a word that's very important in Bible study. The word like, and another similar word is the word as, when you see in Scripture. 57, 20, notice, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. The wicked are like the troubled sea. So God uses that uh, as in the sea of humanity. We talk about that. I was in uh, downtown uh, Manhattan for something, New Year's, I don't remember, Christmas, I can't remember what it was. And I have never been so packed in my life. You ever been on a packed uh, elevator or, you know, subway train or something? I was in a street and I could not have fallen over if I wanted to. People were pressed up on all sides. And uh, my wife never likes to be that close to me. And uh, she, she was trying, no, I'm just kidding, but we were holding hands. And uh, all of a sudden, we weren't holding hands. She was floating away. We were so packed in there. And, and the scripture uses the, the term sea like the sea of humanity. And it does feel like that. There's the currents that run in the sea. There's waves. It uses that terminology, waves of the sea and so forth. Um, it, Jude, the book of Jude uses that. Uh, it, false prophets foaming like the sea. So that's one way that it's used, but then there's another uh, way, and typically when the scripture uses the sea, it's, me, it's referring to the Mediterranean Sea. The Mediterranean Sea. Uh, Mediterranean means Middle Earth. Um, it's interesting, you hear about Middle Earth, Medio Terra. It's talking about the middle of the earth. Really what that's referring to is the center of the known world. Uh, the Mediterranean was the center of the known world for the Bible. Now, you say, well, it's not the center of the world today. As far as God's concerned, it's the center of the world. That's where everything started. Over there in the Fertile Crescent, Garden of Eden, God says that's, you know, my, his eye is ever toward uh, the land of Israel. That's what he loves. And we would look at that and say, man, I'd rather be in the Alps or give me the Rockies or I'd like to go down to, you know, the Caribbean. And the Lord says, no. I love the Middle East, and I love specifically that area. So that's the Middle Earth. That's the middle of the earth, and that is uh, the sea to which he is referring here. And the scene is literal, but is occurring in the spirit realm, just like it did over in Daniel chapter 7. So keep these things in mind. Is this literal or is this figurative? When we say literal, what do you mean by literal? Do you mean if you were to look at it with the natural eye, could you see it? No. But just because you can't see something with the natural eye doesn't mean it's not literal. It is in the spiritual realm. It can be seen in the spirit realm. So the angelic heads of those kingdoms uh, rose up out of the same sea in Daniel 7, but no one saw the rising the way Daniel saw that rising not because it was metaphorical. Again, it was happening in the spirit realm. Does that make sense, everybody? Like, for instance, there are things happening in this building right now that we cannot see. And I'm not even talking in the spirit realm. 
How about all the radio waves and the broadband waves and the television waves that are going through this building right now that we can't see, right? You ever go outside on a cloudy day and think, I'll be okay because the the sun is hidden from a cloud and then come home red as a lobster? Why? Because you can't see the rays, but they are affecting you. And so it's similar in in this regard. It is a spiritual thing that can be seen by the Spirit. What does that look like? I don't really know exactly, but I tell you this. When you get to heaven, do you think that there are uh, cherubim? Absolutely. Are they figurative? Man, if they're figurative, we're in trouble. Because if everything in the Bible is figurative, now you've got to figure out what is, to, what is, what is it figuring? Like, what, what is the reality? And pretty soon, you don't have a clue what the Bible's talking about. So you have to be careful not to make everything a metaphor or an allegory. It's simply seen in a different realm as you go through. So what that means then is you've got this dragon in chapter 12. Now, verse in chapter 13, you have this beast that he sees coming up out of the sea. All right. Think about this. You ever, you ever heard of uh, anything rising? <laughs> is it just me or is it everything is rising? I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I just, I just was curious. Um, 2003, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. 2007, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. 2009, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. 2009, Underworld, Rise of the Lycans. 2011, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. 2012, Rise of the Guardians. 2015, Jupiter Ascending, which is just a little movie about the, uh, the, the devil coming from Jupiter to Earth. <laughs> uh, 2019, Star Wars, Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. 2022, 20, The Sea Beast. Uh, guess what that is? It, it, in, in the, in the, it's a cartoon. I hadn't heard about it until I looked it up. Something about uh, this, this dragon in the sea. Uh, there's a movie out right now, 2023 Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. Just pretty crazy. We can't, in our Western culture, we can't get away from it. I mean, it's all over the place and it continues. Everybody knows. I mean, you can't, the apocalyptic theme is very popular. If you go in and look at uh, storylines as far as sea creatures that come up out of some portal, there's so many of them. It's interesting because we we look up at the at space and say, "Oh, it's so scary." We haven't we haven't you know uh, traversed all of the the planets. So we we don't even know. We can't even map it all. You know what we haven't mapped completely? The sea. Why you can't take vehicles down there? They implode. The pressure is so great. You go down that Mariana Trench and and you can't go to the bottom of that thing. It's amazing if you could drain the sea. You want to talk about a new world? That's a new world right there. It's crazy. How much, what's the rough percentage of, uh, of the, the planet covered by water? What's the percentage? What do you think it is? It's 70% covered by water. And we think we know everything about Earth. Now, we know a lot about what's under the sea, but there's a lot of stuff going down there that no one has any idea. And isn't it weird when you see these I don't like to think about those. You see those little fish, and there's fish that are fairly well known that have the little light that comes out in front of them. I'm like, those are not real. They're not real. Why? I've never seen one. It's not real. It's just, I mean, I don't like it. Brother Knox has a, ha- a hobby of, of deep sea diving, and I don't know if it's deep sea diving, but it's, it's, you know, he likes to go down there and take pictures of all this stuff. And, and I just think, it just doesn't seem like earth to me. 
Why? Because what I know is what's really real and true. And everything else that's beyond that is just kind of not important. But it's important to think about this. In our culture is telling us over and over and over again, we believe that something's coming. We believe, if nothing else, the, the movie Wally, right? The little robot that goes around. And what all the people are fat. I'm sorry for saying that word. I shouldn't. That's a bad word. But all the people are so fat that they have to be in these vehicles and be wheeled around and like in these, uh, I don't know what they are. And, uh, and they, they just can't function themselves. And uh, yeah, we all know something's, something's coming. So as we look at Revelation chapter 13, we see this beast that's rising out of the sea. And let me encourage you whatever, you, whatever you indulge in, you ought to try to see how that connects with the work of God, with the plan of God. You ought to think about that. Young people, you ought to think about that. Because if, if you don't, you'll have, a, 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 you'll have your little tr- tiny church world with a couple people in there that you like. That's what church means to you. People that you like. Oh, and God, yes, I remember God too. And then the whole realm of the world that's really important and really cool. No wonder you have a hard time reading your Bible. Because God's just in this little birdcage that you feed them sometimes and you give them a little time, Right? And the whole world is awesome and big and huge, and you can't do anything in it because it's all bad. You're not supposed to do anything with the world. Now we've got to go back to the little birdcage and get in here and be told what to do 24-7. Man, I feel bad for you if that's your view of the world. Uh, if that's your view of God. I really do. Because God is so much. He owns everything. He owns everything, and he's so much bigger than that. Uh, but you've got you to get into the Word of God. Man, the Bible is where it's at. And when I say the Word of God, I mean the King James Bible. Amen? I think, it's, I think it's a good book. Let me read something by Tennyson. Do you like Tennyson, the poet? You ever read much of him? He's a little bit of an acquired taste. Listen to what he said. This is called The Kraken. You ever heard of The Kraken? Like they have roller coaster rides, you know, like probably energy drinks. I don't know. Below the thunders of the upper deep, far, far beneath in the abysmal sea, his ancient, dreamless, uninvaded sleep the kraken sleepeth, faint as sunlights flee, about his shadowy sides. Above him swell huge sponges of millennial growth and height. And far away into the sickly light, from many a wondrous grot and secret cell, unnumbered and enormous polypi winnow with giant arms the slumbering green. There hath he lain for ages and will lie, battening upon huge sea worms in his sleep until the latter fire shall heat the deep. Then once by man and angels to be seen in roaring, he shall rise and on the earth, on the surface die. <laughs> man, that boy could write. Unbelievable. I thought that was pretty cool. Not sure how spiritual or scriptural it is, but it was cool. Anytime someone talking about sleeping on sea worms. All right, let's keep going. Roman numeral two. Roman numeral two. You've got to throw something in on a Wednesday night to keep people awake. That's what they tell you in seminary. Roman numeral two, are you ready? The identity of the beast. Now, here we'll get a, a dig into it a little bit more tonight. The identity of the beast. Letter A. The beast is not the dragon, Satan, but he is connected with it. So if you look at Revelation 12... 
and Revelation 13. Look at chapter 12, verse 3. There appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. Okay, now, now where is this great red dragon? In, in chapter 12, where is he? He's in heaven. Another wonder in heaven. Now, we know he gets cast down to the earth, right? But notice chapter 13, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up where? From where? Out of the sea. See the distinction? Chapter 12, verse 1. Having seven heads and ten horns. Chapter 13, verse 1. Seven heads and ten horns. Okay, that works. Um, and seven crowns upon his heads. Notice, verse, chapter 13, verse 1. Seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns, ten, not seven, crowns. Where are they? The, the ten crowns are on his horns, not on his heads. Chapter 12, verse 3. The seven crowns upon his heads. Now, we're not going to go into this tonight, but I just want you to see the distinction that's made. The beast is not the same. It's not identical with the dragon, but they are connected. You can see how there's a connection there. All right, now, the next thing, number two, the beast in Revelation 12 and the one in, in Revelation 13 are separate. The beast in Revelation 12 is the dragon who is Satan. We're told that explicitly in chapter 12. In chapter 13, look what it says in verse number two. You've got uh, 13.2. It says at the end of the verse, the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. You see that? Chapter 13, verse 2. So he gets his power from Satan. The beast in 12 is Satan. The dragon, rather, in 12 is Satan. And the, the, the beast in 13 is Antichrist. He gets his power from Satan. What did he give him? He gave him his power. You know what else, you see what else he gave? He gave him a seat. We have a reference to Satan's seat in chapter two, uh, two verse 13. Remember that? Look what it says in chapter 13, verse 7. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So let me throw this in here too. Go back to chapter 6 and look at verse 3. The second seal reveals the power that is given to the beast. So sometimes we think about, okay, so it's, it's seals, then it's trumpets, then it's personalities, then it's vials. No, it's, it's all, it's all um, describing the same events, but you have to take them like a jigsaw puzzle and you have to put all the corners here, and then the edge pieces, you have to kind of move things around. So the second seal is actually talking about the power that's given to the beast. Look what it says in verse 3. When he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out, and that's not the beast, that's a beast in heaven. That's not the beast here. There went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So... This is the, 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 the beast is different. The beast receives power from Satan and he receives a seat. And we'll talk about that another time. All right, next. I ruined my, my numbering here. I think this is number three, right? Up to number three? 
Are we at four? Okay, well, another failure. There are three separate mouths. Are you up to that? Okay, three separate mouths that the frogs come out of. Now, I want to tell you that because look at this. 16, go to chapter 16. This is something to distinguish. And again, how do you learn anything in Scripture? You have to compare. You have to look at them. And if they're not the same, then they're not the same. 16.13, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the what? Are you with me? Out of, out of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So these three men here have separate mouths, separate devils. You've got the dragon himself who is cast under the earth. Then you have the beast and then you have the false prophet. Now we'll see this in a little bit later on. Uh, as we go, that, that there's a distinction there. But all three, all three are going to be worshipped. All three are antichrists and deceivers. But there is a distinction between the dragon and the beast and the false prophet. Keep that in mind. Some have called them the unholy trinity. All right, next. The beast, the beast is cast into the lake of fire, Satan goes to the bottomless pit. Watch this, Revelation 19, 20. Revelation chapter 19. Chapter 19, 20, it says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he had deceived them that received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. This is later on in the narrative, but the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire. Look at chapter 20, verse 2. And so he laid on, holding the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. Now we understand that this is... For the millennial reign, the thousand years. But you see the distinction, the beast and Satan. Let me give you something else important. Number, number next. Man, I really messed my numbering up there. Uh, go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. This is an important thing to keep in mind because sometimes you think, oh, well, the Antichrist. The Antichrist is the Antichrist. Look what he says in 1 John chapter 2. If this hopefully does not confuse you further. 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 18. Sometimes the beast is referred to as the Antichrist, but, but uh, we have to be careful because look at verse 18. Little children, it is the last time as you have heard, and, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Now, we understand that there is an Antichrist, but the Lord says there are multiple Antichrists. Many, many. Well, such as what? Well, Satan, uh, the beast, the false prophet, the death angel. There's a bunch of them. So just because it says Antichrist, we have to be careful that it's not necessarily 
anti notice he says we have heard that antichrist shall come and then he says many antichrists he makes a distinction between the antichrist and someone who is antichrist or could be called the same because what we're really looking at is two antichrists working together like batman and robin the beast and the false prophet they're intertwined and you can see that in in revelation uh chapter 13 where you have in in chapter 13 uh, verse number 2 where he talks about how the beast is a, is a himself is made up of multiple beasts different kinds of beasts and so you have uh the emphasis in scripture here in the last times of hybrid beasts and this is in the spirit realm but people are fast trying to make that something in the you know the normal physical realm the human realm there's all kinds of hybrid stuff out there. Who was it was telling me the other day they're going to get a, a, a part from a pig? Um, I don't know who, but it was. I was surprised. I was like, I thought that was just happening in rare occasions. But now pigs are being raised and harvested for the organs they can provide for humans. It's, a, it's a, becoming more and more normalized. And, hey, I've got no problem with it. I already eat them anyhow, so might as well be you know, part of my organ. But it's, it's interesting how that continues to move that direction. And, and, and so these beasts, the beast and the false prophet are together. Look at, look at chapter 17. Here's the, here's the first one, the beast. Chapter 17, it says in verse 8, The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Now we're going to see that in just a moment. But notice verse 11, the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seventh and goeth into perdition. Verse 8 says, he comes out of the bottomless pit and he goes into perdition. And then verse 11 says, he goes into perdition. So you've got the beast, you've got the false prophet. Another thing, and Brother Mark Norman has brought this out uh, to me, a question. The prince of the covenant is the false prophet, the prince of the covenant. And we'll talk more about that next time because that really brings up a bunch of questions in my mind. The reason why that's so important is because, the, is because of this. If you don't understand what you're reading, it becomes white noise and you just say, forget it. I'll tell you this. If you can hang on and read the Bible when it's boring and then read it when you don't feel like it and keep reading it, it will pay off. I was reading the Bible today, and, and I, the Lord, I had to stop because I, I, I was like, oh, I've got to find that. I've got to find that. I've got to find that. I've, oh, that, you know how that came? It didn't come because I'm so amazing. It came because someone made me read my Bible when I didn't want to read it, and then I finally decided that I wanted to read it, and I read it, and sometimes I didn't get anything out of it, but the cumulative effect of reading the Bible now gives me a, a bunch of stuff to glean from. Because as I'm reading it, I'm going, oh, I remember that from there, and that from there, and that from over there. You say, well, I wish I had that. No, you don't. Not if you're not going to read your Bible. You're never going to get it. I can, I can guarantee you this. As I study the book of Revelation, I realize what an ignoramus I am. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like... I'm just a like elementary kid in graduate school. 
And I'm like, can I go to the bathroom? Are we almost done? Like, I have no idea. They're such on a high level. But what I do understand is not because I'm so smart. God will teach you more with a humble spirit and a willingness to get his word correct. To, to be correct, God will teach you stuff. But you've got to be willing to work through it. If you, if you go to the Bible like this and go, I don't know, see, you're supposed to be a good thing. I don't know. I don't know. Flip around. I don't know. Find something I understand. If you do that, that's the kind of relationship you'll have with God. What's God like? I don't know. I mean, he's like, sometimes he's there. Sometimes he answers prayers. Sometimes he doesn't. I don't know. He's supposed to be good, I guess. And that's a, that's, I feel badly for you if that's your relationship with God. The only way you get to know God is by reading the Bible, praying, and acting on what he says. That's how you get to know God. And if you will do that continually, God will bless you. Now, this was not a message on reading your Bible, but it, it's... it's it's very important um, to do so. Okay, let's keep going. We're almost done. Look at, uh, look at chapter 9. Let's look at chapter 9, verse 11. This is another great tie-in. Chapter 9, verse 11. And look what it says. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. So he is the angel of the bottomless pit. This beast is the angel of the bottomless pit. How do I know that? Because chapter 17 said, The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. He is the angel of the bottomless pit. This is the beast. And that's number C, letter C. It's the same thing. He is the beast from the bottomless pit. We saw that in chapter 17, verse 8. He is the beast that goes, comes out, and he, is, he goes into perdition. And then lastly, Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13, look at verse 8. Revelation 13, 8, it says, And all that dwell upon the earth, we see he's, ta- he's talking about uh, the beast, in, in 1 through 7, he gets power in verse 7 to make war of the saints. And it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are written in the book of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We see here, he has a, uh, in verse number 5, he has a mouth speaking great things. Verse 6, he speaks in blasphemy. Verse 7, he makes war with the saints. He's given power. And verse 8, he is called a him again. It's a man. The beast is a man. So he appears to you and I as a man. You know, we, we get these, these uh, metaphors in our mind or the spiritual representations in our mind mixed with the physical ones that we think, well, this is some kind of a scary... You know what's scariest about the beast to me? Is I could be talking to him and not realize it. Because it's a man. The, the, the devil is the great counterfeiter, the great deceiver. And we'll find how he uses this man to make war. And God calls him a beast. 
We understand that God's the one that created beasts, but God created man and God created beasts to be separate. But when a man turns and says, I don't want to follow God, he begins to become a beast. Right? And that's why you have stories like Beauty and the Beast. The Beast, what is he? He's a man that gets affected and changed, and now he turns into a beast. It's very similar to the book of Daniel, where we have Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is a man who turns away from God and says, I don't need you, God, and he becomes a beast. And what's interesting is that beast and men are made on the same day. Beast and men are made on the same day, day number six. And the difference is, the Bible says, let the earth bring forth the living creature. The beasts are made out of the ground. But how does God make man? God makes man by forming him. Somehow the earth, I don't know how, but the scripture says that that the earth brought forth. We know that God ultimately created it, but God is so powerful that he actually created something that could could make something else. So you see the waters bring forth the, 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 the creatures. The, the, the great whales and the fish of the sea. The waters bring those forth, multiply. And the earth brings forth the beast of the field. As I first mentioned in Genesis chapter 1. The earth brings forth the beast of the field. But God took special care to form man out of the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into man's nostrils. What did he breathe in? The breath of life. And man became a living soul. You know what this world is determined to teach you? That you are nothing but an animal. You you have drives like any animal. Eat, sleep, procreate, and stay alive. That's all that you need to do. Who, Who do you think is telling you that? It's not God. You say, well, we have the same drives as man. Yeah, we were made on the same day. I don't know why God made the beast of the field and man on the same day. I don't know why, except I would say this. We can easily become a beast. We can easily act like an animal. Normally people don't say, you're acting like a bird. Or you're so fishy, right? You're such a whale of a fish. And you know, they talk about being a dog, right? We talk about being an animal. That's what we're talking about. And, and, and the reason is we all have those tendencies inside of us because we were made out of the same stuff, the dust of the ground. But keep this in mind. God formed you for his purposes. He breathed life into you. And Paul said, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So think about it. From an animal standpoint... All of us have one of those drives that we're interested in right now. Don't we? I'm hungry. Man, I need to sleep. We all have those. But as a human, we have a soul. And we have the ability to direct that physical body like an animal does not. You can tell your body what to do. The world says, hey, just let it all hang out. Do whatever you want. And really, they're after your money. They want you to do what you want to do because they want to do what they want to do. Our responsibility as humans is not just to be an animal, a glorified animal. And by the way, how many years now have our public schools been taught that you're nothing more than a glorified animal? 
barely glorified. I would just remind you um, that, yes, we are related to animals. We're made on the same day. And we can adopt some of the same tendencies. But we have the breath of life in us. We were specifically made by God. You are made for a higher purpose than just eating and sleeping and procreating and surviving. You are going to survive through eternity. God has something for you to do. Don't let the world shrink down your mind and your heart and say you're nothing more than just an animal. Allow God to inform. If God's the one that made you, then you best and I best stay close to him so that we know what he wants us to do. He was, we were created for his pleasure. All right, so that's enough about the beast tonight. I hope that it could uh, maybe challenge you. It's a little bit of a, of a weird guy coming up out of the sea.